Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. The Lord told Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath, Haleroth. Haraloth. It sounds like hair loss, actually. Haraloth, um, though they were losing probably more than hair uh, on the... Uh, Gibeath, Haraloth actually means, yeah, we're going there on Mother's Day. This is where we're going. Uh, <laughs> actually, that, yeah, Hill of the Foreskins, yeah. If you name a hill after that, you probably want to steer clear. Um, but this was, a cir- circumcision was a seal of God's covenant with Abraham. And it was a sign that, it was, it was a mark on all men that they were God's people and that it was a promise that through Abram, he was going to lead them into the promised land. And so throughout the time in the wilderness, as they were wandering for 40 years, that entire generation that died away, all these new people had been born over the last 40 years and none of them had been circumcised. And so God says, before you go out, I want you to circumcise all the men before you go out to fight. Now imagine. Well, don't imagine. (laughs) So what's this all about? Let's keep going. Throughout Scripture, circumcision is a metaphor for holiness. Moses complained that he had literally uncircumcised lips in Exodus 6, by which he meant his speech was not fit to participate in God's plan. Jeremiah spoke of uncircumcised ears. That is, their ears weren't fit to hear God's word. Jeremiah also issued this call to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskin of your hearts. It's just what the Bible says. Um, It was a call to a radical spiritual surgery where the spirit was broken, where the heart was opened, and the will was submissive to God. For Joshua and the nation of Israel, this was a strategic moment, and certainly it must be the right moment to launch out an all-out offensive. But instead of doing that, God wounds his men in the most sensitive area of their physical being. Slows them, stops them in their tracks. You can't fight like that. You can't fight with that amount of pain. So, God had to deal with her heart. And one thing that we learn in this story specifically is God is never in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. We think God is, because we are. But God is never in a hurry. God's delays are always infinitely more profitable than our haste. We are always in a fever to do something for God and have forgotten that the first thing God wants is that we should be something for Him. That it's not about us doing first, it's about us being God's people, God's sons and daughters yielded, broken, submitted. In this time of delay, God had to teach, had lessons to teach his people. 
which were going to decide all the future course of their victories. God, from this first battle, is going to teach them how to win time and time and time again. And when they don't follow this, what we're going to lay out, God's battle plan, how God fights, the times that they don't follow this, they lose. And so God is trying to lay out how does God's people fight. So obviously in the Old Testament they were physically fighting. For us in the New Testament, it's about the fight over your life. It's about the fight over God's call on your life. The New Testament speaks of a circumcision which is not made with hands. Look at the language Paul is writing in the Colossians. It says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. What? You're complete. You may not feel that way. You may not think that way. But the fact is, is that if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Him, and He is your King and Lord and leader, it says that you are complete with your union with Christ. How many of you know God wants you to fight from victory, not for victory? That's a whole different mindset. When you're fighting from victory, which we'll see, the nation of Israel is fighting from victory rather than for victory. In our life following Christ, we've got to understand that in the core of us, that in Christ, we are complete in Him, lacking nothing. All we need is in Jesus. He has blessed us I think in, I don't know where this is, but I think it's Peter, but he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and the whole church of Christ, from the weakest to the strongest, is on the victory side of the cross. But like Joshua and the Israelites, while every one of us has been collectively put in a land of blessing and a place of victory, like the nation of Israel, one by one, each one of us has to step up into the audience chamber of the King of Kings and there, with absolute honesty and complete transparency, submit to the knife of the great physician of our souls. It is something that we cannot do collectively. Each one of us must do it alone. For him or herself, step up to the physician's presence and surrender your heart and will to him and allow the cross of Christ to be impressed on every part of your personality and being. That's what this is all about, this, this cleansing step. It's about God's path to victory. Number one is cleansing. Cleansing. God wants to see before you go out into victory, God says, man, I got to prepare your heart for that victory. Before you launch out in a bunch of flurry activity, doing what your strategic mind thinks it should be doing, I need to stop you in your tracks to cut you, to break you, so that when you go out, it's the victory is being connected to hearing my voice and obeying what I said. Cleansing is God's first step that leads to victory. The French mathematician, physicist, inventor, writer, and theologian Blaise Pascal said this, The serene, silent beauty of a holy life is the most powerful influence in the world next to the might of the Spirit of God. 
What an amazing statement. What an antithetical statement to what we would see as reason, as what we would see as logical, as what we would see as worthy of celebrating. A holy life. A lot of times when we think of a holy life, we think of like God coming in, taking out all your fun, and what's left is a holy life. Right? I mean, that's what we sometimes think when we think holiness. We think stripped of fun, suffering. There's holiness for you. But holiness is being right before God, engaged with God's voice and His plan in your life, and you walking out in victory God's plan over your life. And let me tell you, it's anything but unfun. It's the adventure that you've been born for. It's the very thing that probably you're running away from, maybe, but it's the very thing you've been born to walk in. Because a lot of times the things that we've been called to do are sometimes the most intimidating, some of the most fearful, because we, we see it, we're passionate about it, we're, we, see the, we see the problems, we, we feel the discontent, we see what's going on, and sometimes we are left with this thought of, well, maybe someday somebody will help fix that. Cleansing is about rooting our heart into God's heart. So, Joshua circumcises all the men. They have time to recover. They celebrate Passover. They celebrate Passover, which, uh, if familiar with the story, this is the third time they celebrated Passover. Passover was in remembrance of what God did in delivering the, the Israelites out of Egypt. And they celebrated it a year later, but this is the third time they celebrated, and this is the first time they've celebrated it in the Promised Land. And so they're remembering God's cleansing them, They're remembering. And then it's interesting, at the end of chapter 5, the Lord shows up. The Lord shows up in what we would call a theophany or an appearance of what we would say Jesus. And there's a whole other way of, there's a whole uh, way of breaking that down. But we're not going to do that this morning. But anyway, the angel of the Lord, uh, it says that the angel of the Lord shows up and Joshua sees him, and he's like, what side are you on? You know, which would be a natural question if, if you're about ready to get for battle and somebody that you don't know comes into your camp. It's like, hey, which side are you on? Are you with the enemy or are you with us? And the, and the angel of the Lord says, I'm with neither. And Joshua recognizes that this is an angel, and he falls to his needs in worship. And the angel says, take off your sandals, for this ground is holy ground. Now Joshua would have known this is the same angel that came to Moses. So he submits to this Lord of the angel armies and he's like, whatever you want to do, let's do it. And it was at that point, the victory was already won. Look at this, Joshua 6, 1 through 5. So we have cleansing, and then now Joshua's ready to hear God communicating. God's path to victory, communication. Cleansing and then communication. Joshua 6 says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. Not I will give you, 
See? What God's trying to do is to train them that you already have the victory before you go out fighting. I'm telling you, they're in your hands already. It says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Now check out this wild God plan on this. See if this makes sense. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day, six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times and the priests blowing their horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then, oh boy, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Boom! You ready? (laughs) It's like, what kind of plan is this? You're talking about dudes getting horns, some priests leading out, then we're going to trot the ark. Now, remember last week we talked about how central God's presence was. So they're carrying the ark around, and they're marching around. They go out. They, now, you imagine you're on the wall of Jericho. You're a guard, you know? It's like, oh, man. these four, uh, the, the text said that there was 40,000. 40,000 armed. So they're coming at you. But instead of trying to attack your walls, they pivot right, do a loop, and go back home. (laughs) Now, now, imagine. You know that first verse we read, how they they were paralyzed in fear? See this transition. Okay, so they camp out. They don't attack because they're in recovery from something God did to them. And then they're marching out. They circle back home. Next day. Come out, circle around, blow their horns, bum, 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 bum. You know, it's like, okay, by day four, I'm thinking if I was on the, it's like, what are these guys doing? They've been doing this. So imagine the confidence that would have been building. Like, dude, these guys don't even need to fight. Like, they think if they circle our camp that they're going to defeat us. It's like, no, this ain't going to happen. So by day six, day seven, I imagine the confidence of the of Jerichoites were, was massive. Like, come on, bring it on. We, okay, you might have supernaturally passed by the river, but you're not going to supernaturally pass by these walls. So God spoke to Joshua the master plan. This was the master plan. God's plans in the Old Testament are always kind of funny. you got to admit that if you read like even like the story of Gideon, man, that's hilarious uh, of how God instructs Gideon. It's a total faith thing. It's a total, like, these instructions do not make sense. These instructions counter my rational mind of, like, how is this actually going to lead to victory? But unlike Joshua, how many of us take time to hear God's voice over our life? Joshua got the marching orders, and he was able to hear God clearly of exactly what he'd want to have happen, How many of us? Now, Joshua learned that from camping out behind Moses. And as Moses was in the tent of meeting with God, Joshua was right outside waiting till Moses was done so he could go in and spend time with the remaining God's presence. Like, there was a heart of Joshua that was willing to to stop everything and say, God, what do you want to do? How often in your life do you take time to allow God to speak to you. 
We want victory in a lot of different areas of our life, but you have, have you paused long enough to say, God, what would you have me do? Because we think we know, especially men folk, right? We think we know. We don't want to really ask. We don't want to really depend on anybody else, and so we'll just kind of muster up, you know, a nice smile and say everything's going great. But how many... Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to have a religious relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross for you to have a dynamic, life-giving, vibrant communication with the God of all creation. So we, we end up running around with our own strength to solve our own dilemmas. All the while, God is able and willing to lead and guide and shepherd us into victory. And all he's saying is, will you listen? Will you take time to listen? Will you stop long enough? Be silent enough to hear my voice. So God speaks. But what do the people do? They have to comply. They have to obey. They have to like take this instruction that doesn't make any sense and they actually carry it out. Joshua 6, verse 6 says, So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. Now check this out. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Bam! Joshua gave them the instruction Without hesitation, they're like, let's go, let's do this. Here we go. And they blow the, start blowing the horns. The ark starts leaving. Everybody starts taking off. But notice their obedience. Unlike a generation ago, there wasn't any grumbling. There wasn't any complaining. There wasn't any like, man, we don't think God is able to do this. It was immediate obedience. It's like, Joshua, you're our man. Whatever the Lord said, let's do this. Maturity in your walk with God is demonstrated by your obedience to God. Maturity in your relationship with God is determined by your ability, by your obedience to God. This was, this was a central theme for Jesus. Matthew 21, it says, But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, Go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go, he said. Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? For Jesus, this question is of utmost importance because at the end of the day, it's about what we're actually obeying God in. It shows that we actually trust Him. I can verbally say I trust Jesus all the days of my life, but until I'm actually willing to step out and obey what He said, then my, my, true, my trust in Jesus is zero. It's only that moment that I step out to say, God, I'm living it. I'm going to walk out in obedience to You. It is only then that I'm actually doing anything. Matthew 7 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, this is Jesus also talking again, says not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who what? Does 
does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name, do all the, this religious activity that we thought you wanted? Jesus said, then I'll declare, I never knew you. It's like, that's a cutting verse. The only way to get victory in the kingdom is to obey God. We want to dance around it. You know, uh, it's like when, when you're asking your kid, like, what happened? Something went wrong. What happened? Nothing. So why, do you, why are you in this situation? I don't know. You know, we just kind of like begin to shut down. But really the only way to get victory in the kingdom is not to give all the excuses why blaming other people. Well, I can't really obey because this person did this or that person did that or this circumstance is just the way the circumstance is. So I got to wait till my circumstances improve before I actually think about hearing God and actually obeying. But maybe the circumstances in which you're in are the uh, fine-tuning from the Lord for you to kind of like begin doing that now. Not waiting for uh, it all to look great because it never will. I remember uh, it was uh, 1999. I was living in L.A. at the time. And um, I was just kind of growing. I was maybe about five years following the Lord, four years, still kind of growing, still kind of learning all about what does it mean to follow Jesus. And uh, a pastor there at the time uh, was talking about, um, I don't know what, it's like old relationships or something. He, he wanted to pray with me. So I'm like, oh man, I got to go over to the house. And he's like, hey brother, I want, come over to my house. I want to pray for you. Which is never just like, okay, well, what, a, okay, what are you going to be praying about before you know, I show up? Because uh, you never know. You get nervous you know, when somebody comes to you like, hey man, I want to pray for you. It's like, oh man, okay. Great, I love, I love that, but just go gentle. That's all I'm asking, just go gentle. So, um, so I get over to this pastor's house, we're praying, we're praying. Anyway, he starts bringing up old relationships, and I was just like, oh man, yeah, I never really done that. I never really got any healing of my old relationships. And just so, we just kind of started praying through a couple relationships, and I was just like, God, you know, Lord, I repent of those and the things I did wrong there, and Lord, I just bless them. And Anyway, I felt like a new person. At the end, after I kind of like prayed through some of my past and, got, and I, I really felt different, I remember I'm driving in my car and I had a huge old, remember those uh, case logics that you'd have filled with your CDs? Isn't that funny how like CDs are like the old school cassette tapes? It's like CDs, man, yeah. I haven't bought one of those in 10 years. Anyway, so I had a whole case of my old CDs that I had collected through years. And so many of them, were attached to old girlfriends. Songs, you know, Phil, the one, I, Phil, I was attached to my Phil Collins CDs. Man. <laughs> Phil Collins. <laughs> Groovy kind of love. Come on. Anyway, so I'm driving north on the 101, headed home. I've just gotten prayer. I'm cleansed. I look over to this CD thing, and the Lord just said, I want you to throw out all the CDs that remind you of old girlfriends. And I was just like, Okay, let's do this, because I was just fresh. So I, li- I took God literally. He said, toss these out. So 
I rolled down the window and I started flying my CDs out of the window. Now, it was an immature Christian move because I was totally littering, which I probably should have thought. But for the victory in my heart, man, I was like, man, I got to obey God to the word. I'm thrown. So anyway, I got in the right lane to make sure that it was in the shoulder. But anyway, so... But I'm tossing these things out, and everyone I'm tossing away, I can feel a greater sense of freedom, greater sense of freedom. Great. And then once I went through them all, tossed them all, literally, there was, a, there was another level of victory in my life. There was another level, because I was not just willing to obey, or not willing to just pray over it, but I was willing to obey and actually do what God asked me to do. It secured victory in my life. So if you're giving time for him to kind of speak victory over in that area, how are you walking that out? How are you walking that out? This is where you demonstrate, like I said, that you truly trust God. If God asks you to do something, contained within that ask is the strength and the grace to accomplish what he's asked you to do. I'll say that again. This is, if God asks you to do something, Contained within that ask is the strength and the grace and the ability to carry it out. Oh man, that's so good. If we could just get this. If we could understand that if God is asking us to do something, He is going to give you the strength, the resource, everything that you need to get it done. All He's looking is for you to step in it. Just obey. Step in it. And then lastly, what we see is confidence. So there's cleansing, there's communication, there's compliance, and of course, the last C is confidence. Joshua 6.20 says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted, this is, they've, they've done what God asked them to do. Day one, two, six, day seven, God instructs them to, to go around the city seven times on day seven, seven times, and after you go around the seventh time, blow those ram's horns, so here they are. They've done all that. The people heard the sound of the ram's horns. They shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, just as God said, and the Israelites charged ahead into the town and captured it. Wow. The confidence that comes as God takes you your life. He cleanses you. He's talked to you. You've walked in obedience. There is a confidence that comes on your life. It has nothing to do with your own ability. It has nothing to do with what you can bring to the table, but it has a confidence that there's a living God living inside of me that is able to deal with any circumstance, any enemy, and he's going to come out on top. Do you live with that confidence? I don't, honestly, all the time. But God wants to build our confidence in the strength of his word, in the strength of his ability and power in our life because of what Jesus did. So at our end of our time, I, we're going to get in it. Hopefully you didn't just come to church. Hopefully there's a quick Mother's Day message and we'll get out and eat. But I really want to, I just, I just want to spend the next five minutes, if you could just give me five more minutes, we're going to pray through this together. So whether you need to get your phone out with some notes or a pen in your hand, God wants to speak to you this morning. So be prepared. Be expectant. That when we're about to go into some prayer, God wants to speak to your heart about certain things in your life in this season right now. 
Because God doesn't want you just kind of, hey, hey, man, those are some cool principles, and you know, one day I'll apply them. No, we're going to apply them right now. Okay? So let's just give God uh, some space here. Father, we just thank you, God, for this time that we get to be with you. God, we just quiet our hearts. God, we set our sight and eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. Father, today we just, we come before you. God, you see us. God, you know everything about us. God, you know the areas that we need victory in. And Father, I pray that you would, during this time, speak clearly to our hearts. Father, I pray that, Lord, if there's anything that we need cleansed from, God, any sin, God, any pride, any act, Father, right now, we just say, God, we repent. God, we repent. We repent of giving into that, God, following that, making that a habit. Lord, inviting that into our life. Lord, that was our choice. And so for that, we take responsibility and we say, God, forgive us. Lord Jesus. Lord, we receive that cleansing. God, you said you separate our sin as far as east is from west, and right now, by the blood of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would remove that, separate that from us. That sin, Lord, whatever you're building in our life, God, the resistance, our resistance, And Father, I pray that, Lord, what do you want to do in this season of our life? God, where do you want us to get victory? In what area of our life do you want us to get victory in this season? What comes to mind? Give God, give the Holy Spirit this moment for him to speak to you. God, what area are you putting your finger on in our lives? Father, what are you asking us to do? Father, I pray that, Lord, as you speak to our hearts, that we would hear your voice and obey what you said and obey what you say. God, if we didn't hear anything necessarily right here in this moment, God, I pray that we would give you opportunity this week, God, to answer and for you to speak. God, that there's any area of our heart and life that you're putting your finger on, Lord, to build not necessarily to tear down, 
in the sense of like sin, but God, maybe there's something that you're wanting to build up in our life. Maybe there's something, maybe there's a sense of identity that, God, we've lost through the years that, God, you want to build up. God, maybe there's, a, maybe there's something grand that you have for us, but, God, Lord, we're pausing and we're asking you for your direction, your voice and your movement in our heart. God, I pray that, Lord, as this week, as we, as we hear from you, God, I pray that we would be like Joshua, that would tear aside from all of life, God, to come hear your voice. God, that we would be people dependent upon your voice in obeying your word. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would reignite our relationship with you, that, God, if we haven't heard your voice in many moons, maybe never, God, I pray that you would reignite our ability to hear your voice of your Holy Spirit. God, and I pray that you would make us a confident people, not in our own ability, not in who we are in our own strength, but God, the people that you've marked us for to be, champions in the kingdom of God. Lord, humble winners in the kingdom of God. Lord, we know where our victory comes from. It's not in our own strength, our own might, our own ingenuity. God, the victory comes from you and you alone. So Lord, we trust you and we love you. We thank you that you can speak to us through Joshua and continue to speak to us through your word. Amen. Amen. So just taking moments, if that's, if that's kind of a new thing, that what we just did, like, man, I've never done this before. And if you've never done this before and you, never, and you didn't hear God speak kind of this morning, that's okay. It's about taking time during your day to say, God, I want, to, I want you to speak. Amen? Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. We'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.